bless you all. Greet you all in the name of Jesus Christ and those on the internet. They'll be streaming. Yes, trust that you'd be welcome. Any, any visiting with us, also trust that you'd be welcome this morning. Amen. I just had this song going through my mind this morning. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Oh, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through.
that day. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Brother Michael, could I have you open up the service in a word of prayer? Amen. And this victory. Amen. Our sister Grace Beatty writes a prayer request for our, um, our sister Emila. Wanted to be remembered to the saints in the prayer for the, her family and their salvation. Amen. We can remember that this morning. Brother Michael, if you got a need, just lift it before the Lord. Brothers will come forward for the morning offering. Amen. Amen. Is there a shout of victory in the camp this morning? Amen. Our God is tremendous. Our God is still living. And amen amongst us. Why don't we go to him in prayer this morning, open the service. Heavenly Father, we are indeed so blessed this morning as we are singing the songs. Lord, the scripture that comes to my mind is, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is, in with, is, that is within me, bless his holy name. Lord, the psalmist still penned words. He said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Lord, as we sang the songs of praise this morning, that our God is tremendous. His strength never faileth. Lord, you've gone through the fire many here this morning. Lord, you've been it, Lord, like Daniel in the lion's den. Lord, you've shut the mouths of lions for those here this morning. Lord, we can shout this morning. We can raise our voices. We can lift our hands in glory and honor. For Lord, you indeed have been on the scene. As I think, Lord, of that little group of disciples there on that little boat. Lord, the storm and as the devil would try to raise the seas and try to tip that little boat and drown them. But Lord, you were on the scene. You were right there in their little boat for them. Lord, surely after that moment, they would sing this song our God is tremendous. Oh, but Lord, they had to call upon you. They don't, Lord, there you were, as your prophet said. I don't even think you were sleeping, but you were just waiting for them to call. Lord, waiting for you to reach out and say, oh, Jesus, we need you this moment. Lord, we're here at another opportunity this morning that your word is going to go forth in its power and its anointing. Lord, we pray that your people here today would call out, Lord, in their need, in their moment, in their, maybe in their storm, as the song said, you love a paradox. Lord, it might not be the way we think it is but we just need to call and allow you to move on our behalf allow you to deal with the needs of your people oh god take brother tim this morning Lord, he's been on a, a long journey. He's been, Lord, laboring in the field. Lord, we're eager to hear what you'd have to say. Eager to hear what you're doing amongst the bride around the world. Not just this little group of people here in Cloverdale, but Lord, your bride is so great. Lord, we want to hear how your word stirs. We want to hear how your word, Lord, changes and transforms. Not just in BC, but in every nation around the world. For it's a living word, Lord, that's taking a bride and adorning her for this great rapture season. So we commit this little this service, our needs, Lord, our sister. Lord, Grace has put a need for her family. Lord, we don't just come to prayer, Lord, out of a tradition of service. But, Lord, it's because we know and the people have confidence that you still meet the needs of your people. So, Lord, we take, Lord, this little piece of paper that penned this need, those that have lifted their hands before you. Lord, would you seek? Lord, would you deal? Would you move in, Lord, your own personal way? We, Lord, this, this family that needs you, that needs salvation, that needs a touch, would your Holy Spirit go to their little place wherever they are? Lord, somebody's praying this morning. Lord, may your Holy Spirit be activated. Lord, that it would be go forth. Lord, and deal with the very need that that Sister Grace is lifted before you. Lord, move amongst us today. Somebody here, Lord, might be, Lord, as Lord John Bunyan wrote the story of Christian with that burden on his back. Lord, he carried a weight. He carried such a burden, Lord, but he came to the cross. 
Lord, where his burden was lifted there at Calvary. Lord, may somebody here this morning, maybe they might be like that Christian. Lord, that's carrying a weight of sin. Lord, a burden so heavy they might be dragging their feet this morning. But Lord, with years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified. But Lord, there at Calvary, the burden was lifted. May that be, Lord, someone's testimony. As your word goes forth this morning, may burdens be lifted. Oh God, we pray. So we commit all that would transpire today to you to have, have your way. We dedicate our lives, our worship, our song to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. And then you may have your seats as the brothers take up the morning offering. Can we sing How Great Is Our God? Sing with me. Oh, the splendor of a
sing worship the Lord, worship the Lord. Oh, God will not reject your prayers. Praying makes you
my Jesus, my Savior. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of personal God infinite all powerful and all worthy of glory and honor but yet Father you come to us individually Lord what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that thou visitest him Lord we just come this morning to give you glory you have blessed us in so many ways We are glad to call ourselves believers this morning. We believe your word. Lord, we come unto you believing your promises, believing that this service this morning has a purpose. Lord, knowing that you knew who would be here and who would not be able to be here. And Lord, you have specifically allotted a portion of word for your people for this day. Lord, may you open it to us afresh. May you pour in abundantly from on high, quicken our lives, bring us into your presence, bring us under your anointing for this hour, we pray, as we give ourselves unto you, Father. And I want to say, Lord, just take control. May you just direct every thought, every word, the way that it ought to go, that it might be pleasing to you, Lord. We ask your blessings, your anointing upon the speaker and the hearer, in Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. I'm glad to be able to uh, not have to pray the speaker, the hearer, and the interpreter. (laughs) Praise the Lord. It's nice to be able to preach without an interpreter, finally, after a few weeks. God bless you. Greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. And uh, I trust that you're glad to be here. Are you happy? Are you a believer? Amen. 
We had some wonderful times in Africa, some really wonderful times. Um, Sister Margaret says, please welcome Trinity. This must be Trinity here. God bless you. Welcome. (laughs) We're glad to have you with us. Amen. Good to be here today. Well, we want to take our Bibles and turn to the book of 2 Kings this morning. 2 Kings chapter 6. God bless you, musicians. Good to see you. Good to be back with you. While you're turning to 2 Kings chapter 6, I want to bring you greetings from Brother Tom, who says, be sure to greet the people for me this morning. So Brother Tom sends his greetings to each and every one of you, and he says, thank you for your prayers. He'll be done preaching now, and uh, he'll be on his way home, I don't know, in the next day or two, I suppose. And he was in Ohio with Brother Erickson, uh, the former pastor. Now Brother Wayne Lawson is the pastor there in Ohio, and they had meetings there this weekend. Also want to bring you greetings from a long list of brothers in Africa. Let me just hit the highlights. Uh, Brother Mogus from Ethiopia, Brother Stephen Abali from Uganda, Brother Fred Chienji from Uganda, uh, all the other ministers that work with them, all the different churches that we were in, and we were in many. And they send their greetings, they send their love, and they send their thank you to you and to all the supporters of missions as they realize they are recipients of many blessings because of your labors. So God bless you each and every one. I'm going to be having a missions report today. I wanted to bring a full missions report, uh, but I just don't think time would allow it. Uh, It would just be too long of a service if I did that. And so we'll just focus ourselves on just the recent trip uh, to Ethiopia and Uganda, and uh, then sometime hopefully before the end of the year we'll bring uh, maybe a a broader missions report of everything that missions is doing so you can get the picture of what you're supporting, what you're praying for, and you can get burdened for the work of the Lord that's happening around the world. I'm glad to be a part of a church that recognized they're not the only ones in the world that need this message. This message is sent for a bride. And God, uh, to some, he will, they will always be poor all of their lives. And to others, he blesses them that they in turn might be used of him to bless the kingdom of God. And God has a purpose in making us the way we are. And if we can recognize and realize the hour we're living in, who we are in the sight of God, then indeed all things are possible to them that believe. Are you a believer? Amen. Amen. 2 Kings chapter 6. And we're going to begin reading at verse 8. Now last time... I spoke as I was, I've been speaking on the anointings, and then last time was on the eagle perspective, dwelling on the eagle anointing and the importance of it for the day that we're living in. I, I took up a, as an example um, Gehazi and the army of the Syrians. Now, how many know that it wasn't Gehazi that was the servant of Elisha at this time? I want to see how many of you went and read the scripture and 
like I did afterwards. And doesn't, I don't see too many hands. Matter of fact, I don't see any. I went, I went to read the scripture this week because God had been dealing on me and I kept repeating Gehazi and Elisha, Gehazi and Elijah overseas. And then I went and read the scripture and I'd see it's not Gehazi. That is another servant because by this time, Gehazi had already been taken off the scene by leprosy because he had sinned against the Lord. And, uh, and so let's just read the scripture here in 2 Kings chapter 6. Now, um, I'm going to dwell on actually Gehazi because of what happened to him and also on this servant whose, whose name we don't know. We'll call him, I don't know, the no-name servant, I guess. All right, 2 Kings 6 and verse 8. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of, and saved himself there not once nor twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing, and he called his servants and said unto them, Will ye not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of the servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him and it was told him, saying, Behold, it is in Dothan. Therefore send he hither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young men. And he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Amen. The Lord had his blessing to the word. You may have your seats. Now, prior to this chapter, Gehazi had been the servant of Elisha, and Gehazi had, had experienced what the Shunammite woman had gone through. He had been Elisha's servant as, as he uh, uh, brought the blessing of God into the house of the Shunammite, and how that the Shunammite woman had uh, had a son because of the blessing of the Lord. But then as this, after many years, the son grew up and was in the field and, and perished in the field while he was out there with his dad. And the Shunammite woman sent to Elisha. And Elisha set, gave Gehazi the staff and said to Gehazi, now go take this staff and lay it on uh, the child because Elisha knew that what he touched was blessed. Now Gehazi uh, went that way, but the Shunammite woman wasn't satisfied with that. She said, no, I'll not leave you, the Lord, uh, the Lord so do to me, but I will not leave you, she says, because uh, until you come and pray for the child. So Elisha then was, was uh, impressed to go and to pray for the child and to take his position, and, and God used Elisha 
as he laid himself upon the child, and the child sneezed seven times, and, and the child raised up. And, and, the, and uh, Elisha said to Gehazi, now take the child and present him to his parents, and the parents received their child raised back to life. Gehazi was witness of these things. All right? Now, uh, shortly after that, there was a man called Naaman, uh, a general in the Syrian army who who himself was leprous, and he, uh, he was trying to uh, gain some kind of remedies. I'm sure he tried every medicine. He went to every doctor. He saw every specialist. He tried to do everything that he could do, but nothing could help him in his fight against leprosy. But he had a servant girl in his house, and the girl said, but there's a prophet in the land of Israel, and if you go to him, he'll tell you exactly what to do. And so Naaman went to Elisha, and Elisha said, well, go and, and uh, uh, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River, and you'll be made whole. And, and so he went away from there quite indignant because the Jordan was a muddy river. And there was better rivers in Syria, he said, than the, than the muddy Jordan River. And he just kind of was going home in a huff. And uh, he went away from there, and... and uh, and so he, but his servant said to him, he says, you know, if, if Elisha had told you some great feat to accomplish, you would have gone and done it. But he's told you just to dip yourself seven times in the river Jordan. And he says, maybe you should just do it. And, and just to, to see what God will do for you. And so Naaman went down, you know the story, and he dipped himself seven times in the river and, and he was healed of his leprosy. Praise the Lord. A miracle working God was on the scene. And so as he, as he went back and he went to give thanks to Elisha and he went to even offer Elisha a reward for what he had done, Elisha sent him away, says, no, it's not me that healed you. It's God that healed you. Uh, I don't want any of your reward. But he, as Naaman went away, Gehazi heard that, uh, that there was... that. It, uh, Elisha had turned down some money, had turned down a financial gain that Naaman had offered him. And Gehazi went after Naaman and said, you know, and he misrepresented himself and said, you know, we decided we're going to take some after all. And so Naaman gave him some things and Gehazi went back, not unlike Achan, that went into the, the city of Jericho and took a wedge of gold and a uh, a Babylonian garment, you know, that sometimes we have to realize that the gospel is not for natural gain. And Gehazi only saw the natural realm and how maybe he might be benefited from working amongst believers, being the right-hand man to the prophet of God, and how that he could use that to his financial gain. But as he came back with the wealth, and, and you can actually read it at the end of chapter 5, uh, and he, he, Elisha says to Gehazi, where did you go? And the servant said, I, I didn't go anywhere. And he said, went not my heart with thee when the man turned again from his chariot to meet thee? And then he says, is it time to receive money, to receive garments, and olive yards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and men servants and maid servants. No doubt as, Eli as Elisha was saying this to Gehazi, he was describing everything that was going through Gehazi's mind. 
what I could have with this reward, what I could do. I could make a business. I could do this. I could do that. And all of these things, as he looked at the natural benefits from being associated into the will of God. And then, he, then Elisha says, The leprosy, therefore, of Naaman shall cleave unto thee and unto thy seed forever. And he went out from his presence a leper as white as snow. My, what a terrible, terrible thing, because his eyes was on natural things. All right? Now, if you follow through, and I'm not here to just preach on Gehazi, but if you follow through in Gehazi's life, he actually, in chapter 8, ends up in the king's court. Amazingly, the king of Israel says to Gehazi, tell me about the exploits of Elisha. As he's describing them, the, the woman uh, who's, who was uh, rescued by uh, Elisha happened to be there looking for something and Gehazi was able to say, this is that woman. But my point is this, that Gehazi was a, was a man who thought of how to better himself. Think of this now. He thought of how to better himself, and he had worked his association and the stories of his times with Elisha into a place for himself into the king's court, even though he was leprous. But you see, sometimes people can't go any further than the natural blessings of the gospel. And I just want to say this morning, God wants to raise us above the natural enticements of the world. Can you say amen to that? Now, you might be here this morning and say, you know, that the natural thing, I have need of some natural things this morning too. Don't worry, God's mindful of that. You know, he sees every sparrow that falls from the sky. You know, he says, take, Jesus said, take no thought for how much You'll eat or drink or wear. He says, uh, take no thought for the morrow for sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. He says, does he not clothe the lily of the field? Does he not watch over the sparrow? And are you not much more valuable than that? God will provide for all of your needs. That's a promise of God. But this new servant then comes to, uh, to serve Elisha. And... Uh, but this servant was going to be blessed far above that what Gehazi was blessed. He was going to see things that was really only the privilege for prophets to see. Because he was going to be, have his eyes open to look into a dimension and be able to see things that Elisha could see, see things that God could see, see things that the devil could see, but men walking on the earth were not privileged to see these things. Listen, saints, the Old Testament is shadows and types of greater things to come. Sometimes I wonder if we realize where, what hour we're really walking in and what it is we're holding when we're holding the message of the hour. Blessed are your eyes for they see. You are the most privileged people on the face of the earth if your eyes have come open to this message. There is an anointing in this hour, as I've already preached on it, an eagle anointing that is sent to raise you up above a lion anointing, an ox anointing, or a man anointing, to raise you above what they could see in those days. I was, uh, I was interested, one of, the, one of the preachers I had with me was, was my son, uh, Stephen, and 
I listened to a bit of his, one of his services that was online from Uganda, and he made a statement I thought was very good. And he was talking about the anointings, and he said, you know, he says, he says the lion anointing, or the lion cannot see past the trees. He says, the ox can't see past the edge of the field. The man can't see past the building. But the eagle rises above it all. And sees what many things that those are not able to see because of the obstacles in life. Because of the things that stand in the way. And if we could recognize, oh may the Lord open our eyes even this morning. If we could see what God wants us to see. If we could rise up and observe things from the perspective of an eagle. In other words, if an eagle anointing could be placed upon you so that you could see what a prophet would see. Many times in the message of the hour, the prophet of God declares certain things. I even have a quote here. I'm I'm not going to read all of it, but he says, you know, he says, I was just going to say something. He says, but they wouldn't believe me anyway. And he says, and so I'll just hold back a little bit. There was things that he saw that he wanted to declare, but it shows you that even a prophet is not always able to say things. But if God can raise you up under an eagle anointing, and, I, and I, I think I established it last time I preached, but I'll just refresh your memory. God likens himself to an eagle. He likens his prophets to an eagle. He's, he's reflecting something in them in that they see things from a certain perspective. But now in the last days, he says, he'll say, I'll send an eagle anointing into the church. And the eagle anointing comes into a church to anoint you with an anointing that usually was reserved for prophets and God himself. Think about where you are. I'm sorry, I just came from Africa. I'm expecting more response. I'll gear myself back a little bit. It's not that you're not believing, but their response is maybe sometimes a little bit more, uh, we'll say noisy. And believe me, I'm definitely uh, not the type of person to tell you to say amen. Others have more boldness than I do. But, you know, may God just quicken us today. See, an eagle anointing that God, the eagle anointing that God sends in this hour, and I'm not going to go back to rehearse it all. I've preached two services on it already. But it's to cause us to see things the way God sees things. All right. This servant now, I want you to notice now, when this servant was anointed, when Elisha says, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And so he's, this servant now is standing there and says, How, you know, what's going to happen to us? And, and I, I want you to notice, and I've, I've said it many, time, many different places this way in Africa to help them to see it. Listen. This, this young man gets up in the morning and he's like all of us. He's the guy that's got to make coffee. You know, so he's, it's early. And he's the first guy up. And he looks out the window. And he sees something that scares him to death. Is that right? That's what happens. And he says, alas, my master. And he's, he's going now to Elisha to help him. He knows Elisha has wisdom. Elisha has the mind of God. And Elisha says, don't worry. 
There's more with us than there is with them. All right, now here's the word of Elisha. The man heard with his ears, the young man, but that didn't change anything. He's trying to believe. He's trying to hold to the word of Elisha with everything that's within him, like the man whose son was sick, who said, Lord, I believe, help thou my lack of faith. All right, because faith is a revelation. And he's believing with all the faith that he has, but the problem is he doesn't have much faith. And that's the position that this young man finds himself in. He hears the words of Elijah. And so Elisha, standing there, said, declaring him, there's more with us than there is with them. I'm trying to trust these words. I'm trying to believe this message. I'm doing everything that I can to just stand with the message. And I'm going to stay right here. I've seen Elisha do so many things. I'm just going to stay with Elisha. But then Elisha goes a step further and he says, Lord, open his eyes. In other words, take the anointing that's upon me and put it upon him. Amen. Take this eagle anointing and put it upon him. Now the young man is is struck with this anointing that he doesn't know where it came from. Now remember, anointing is not emotions. Anointing is supreme power and control, knowing exactly what and how. And so now this, this servant is struck with this anointing and he sees all around the hills chariots of fire and horses of fire. Now his attitude changes. Remember, the right attitude towards any divine promise will bring it to pass. His attitude changes. His shoulders go back. He's looking out the window. Hey, you ain't so tough. You ain't so bad. You know, he, he all of a sudden realizes, oh, yeah, I got no problems today. Now, just a minute ago, we had all kinds of problems. But now, all of a sudden, he's got no problems. Amen? He's got no problems. Now, what changed? Nothing changed. Hello? Nothing changed. Those horses of fire and chariots of fire were already there. The Syrian army was already there. There was no difference. What changed was his eyes come open to the reality of who he was, of what the message was about, and he saw what the prophet saw. Hallelujah. Lord, put an eagle anointing upon every one of us today. Lord, cause us to see what you see. Cause us to see what you showed the prophet. Cause us to recognize our position in this day. Hallelujah. Like Elijah on Mount Carmel, let it be known that you are God and that I am your prophet and I've done these things at your command and the fire fell. May the fire fall this morning by a people coming to the recognition of their position. May God open our eyes. See, it's got to be an eagle anointing. It can't be a man anointing. It can't be an ox anointing. It can't be a lion anointing. We've got to come under the anointing of this hour to lift us up into the very thoughts of God. Amen. Brother Branham and I have quoted this before in the message recognizing your day and its message. He says, fast pray, fast pray. That's all you hear. Fast pray. We're going to have a great breaking of the day. There's a great thing going to happen. All of you pray, pray, pray. We're not too late yet. Why do they do that? Why do they do that? They want a great awakening. They're crying, believing that there will be awakened. 
They're good people. Why is it? What have they done? They have not recognized the awakening of the bride. All right. Now listen closely what he says here. He says, by being a Christian, they feel the pull of the hour. You can't go by feelings. They feel the pull of the hour. But they haven't recognized what's been done. That's what's making them feel that way. They know something's supposed to happen. They're looking for it afar off in the future to come. But it's already happened right by you. Hallelujah. So what do they say? What does Brother Brown say? It's 1964, July. After the opening of the seals, he's saying, they feel this anointing that's come on this time. They feel something's happening, but they can't see it. Why? They're affected by the anointing, but the anointing hasn't changed their eyesight. Because the anointing is said to raise us up into the presence of God or raise the elect up into the presence of God so that they might be able to walk in the very thoughts of God. Because when the Lamb came and opened the book, what is he doing? He's revealing the mystery of who you are. Your name is in that book. Your name was sealed there with seven seals. Your name, your characteristic, your nature, everything that you are was written in there. The mystery of your life was written in the Lamb's book of life. But it had to wait for a certain time that there would come a prophet in the Lamb so that the Lamb could take the book and declare to the prophet the mystery contained in the book so you could see who you are. And synonymous or simultaneously with the opening of the book is a new anointing upon the church which is the eagle anointing now. It's no longer a man anointing. This is is more significant than you realize. It's no longer the man anointing. And all of the traditions that went with the man anointing, or I could say more than traditions, all the emphasis that came under the man anointing. This is now a new emphasis. All right, under the man anointing was justification, sanctification, restoration of the gifts. That was the emphasis. But now under the eagle anointing, the emphasis changes. Why? To show you who you are. Because if you could recognize who you are in the mind of God, then the devil will never be able to defeat you. That's just the reality. All right. These are things I think that we all believe. Brother Brown says in the Church Age book, he says, let me ask you, are the thoughts of God eternal? If you can see this, you will see many things. God is unchangeable in both essence and behavior. He says, we have studied that and proven that already. God is infinite in his abilities, so therefore he as God must be omniscient. I feel like I'm reading the synopsis of everything I've preached this year. We've proven his infinite abilities. We've proven his qualities. We've proven who he is, all right? If he is omniscient, then he is not now learning, nor is he taking counsel even with himself, nor is he at any time adding to his knowledge, all right? So it says he is omniscient, and we can all agree there. That's all-knowing. Omniscient means knows everything. He has never had a new thought about anything. Because all his thoughts he has always had. And always will have. And knows the end from the beginning. Because he is God. 
Thus, the thoughts of God are eternal. And we can say that without beginning, without ending, is eternal. Okay, we can grasp that. But then he makes a statement, they are real. The thoughts of God are real. You see, that's why I say this Bible, which is the thoughts of God expressed in word form, is not what you want to be, it's what you are. The thoughts of God are real. They're not something that I aspire to be, but rather I want God to take this word and wash me in it until all of my own thinking and my own understanding comes subject to the word of God. Amen. Because if I was in his thoughts and his thoughts are eternal and his thoughts are real, then that reality lives within me now. And that reality is looking for expression. Amen. It's not me trying to make it express itself. It's not me trying to produce the promises. The power of the promises is already laying on the inside. I've got to get my human thinking out of the way. I've got to get my culture. I've got to get my education. I've got to get uh, my upbringing, my family life, all of my ideas subject to the word of God. And when they become subject to the word of God, then that will produce what the word of God is. Because God's thoughts are real. They're eternal. Brother Bram says they're not simply like a man with a blueprint that he's drawn up, which one day will be translated into substance and form. They are already real and eternal. Then if you were in the thoughts of God, you were already real and eternal. And that eternal part is what's coming out from our lives by the quickening of the word of God. They were already real and eternal and Part of God. The Bible says it this way For whom he did foreknow. Romans 8, I think it's 29. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. Amen. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, he called. Whom he called, he justified. Whom he justified, he's already glorified. That's the thoughts of God who he foreknew, who was in his mind before the foundation of the world. That's you. Listen, don't get tired of hearing this. The word is trying to wash you from your human doubt and fear. See, when the servant of of Elisha, his eyes come open, the only thing that changed was he lost his fear and he lost his doubt. He was the same guy. Elijah was the same man. The chariots of fire were the same chariots. They never moved. The Syrian army was the same Syrian army. It made no difference. What changed was he lost his fear. He lost his doubt. Hallelujah. And when he lost his fear and he lost his doubt, he could walk right out there with Elijah in the midst of the Syrian army as Elijah says, Lord, smite them blind. And he goes out there and he says, are you looking for somebody? He said, yeah, we're looking for Elijah. Oh, you got the wrong place. Let me show you where he's at. And he, and he leads the whole Syrian army right into the city of Samaria. You know, you can imagine the city, the, the, Samaria, the Israel army in Samaria as they're standing on the walls and here comes this army. It's a Syrian army. And there's a little bald-headed guy at the front of it. And they're walking right up to the city. And he says, open the gates. And they're like, are you crazy? Just open the gates. 
And the, and, the, and the Israel army is lined up down the street on both sides, and the Syrian army's just walking right in there. We're going to find Elisha. And they're just walking right in there. And then Elisha says, Lord, let their eyes come open. Then they couldn't even see what was going on around them. Now, by being blinded, they had no fear. And God blinds the eyes of the Gentiles now, just like he blinded the Jews 2,000 years ago. And we're now living in the hour of the blinding of the Gentiles. And they got no fear. Oh, well, we'll just, you know, we'll just send our aircraft carriers over to the Middle East. You know, we'll just, we'll just bomb these people. We'll just get involved here. We'll just do this over there. You know, we'll just we'll operate in this war in Ukraine. And we'll just do a, like no fear, like nothing's going to happen. No, I got news for you. World War III is on the way. What's going to trigger it? I don't know. I don't care because I'm not going to be here. That's not the point. The point is that they're blinded. They're blinded to the hour they're living in. But there was a prophet that was sent in this, days, in this day that you might have eyes to see. Hallelujah. An anointing to come upon the bride to recognize her day and its message. Glory be to God. What an hour we're living in. What a fortunate people that we are. Oh, people just walk blindly. Well, you know, I think I'll just, I'll just enjoy life and everything's going fine. And meanwhile, the economy's crumbling. Meanwhile, the interest rates are going through the roof. Meanwhile, this is how I got to get into my missions presentation. But, you know, all kinds of things are taking place because of blindness. But let me tell you something. When all of a sudden the blindness comes off this age, there's going to be a lot of fear. There's going to be a lot of trembling. But praise be to God, our eyes have been opened all this time. All right. You see, this is the hour of not just the revealing of the Son of Man. We know that's, that's all, the whole picture. As Brother Branham talks about in perfect faith in different places. And I, I've read the quotes already, so I'm not going to go into them. But as the Bible doesn't just talk about the revealing of the sons of man. But when, when Paul speaks about who he foreknew, he predestinated, he called, he justified, he glorified... The few verses before that, he's talking about sonship. And the King James calls it the manifestation of the sons of God. And Brother Branham used those terms before the opening of the seals, but never used them after the opening of the seals. Why? Because the term manifestation there in Romans chapter 8, and this is just a little lesson for you, is actually apocalypsis, which means revelation. All right? So the whole earth or creation is groaning, waiting for the revelation of the sons of God. And that's where we have now come to in this hour. That's what you're holding in your hands, so to speak, by the message of the hour. This is the anointing to bring the revelation or the revealing of the sons of God as much as it's the anointing to bring the revealing of the Son of Man. I don't have time. I was warned by the pastor that 
I'll have another service coming up and we'll maybe be able to get into it at that time. Is this all right? I know you're kind of sitting on the edge of the seat saying, where do you get this from, Brother Tim? Let me just read you a couple of statements here. God's provided place of worship, 1965. The church will come through justification, through Luther, through sanctification, through Wesley, through the baptism of the Holy Ghost, through the Pentecostals, and grow right into the perfection of the Son of Man. That when husband and wife will be the self-same persons. God will be so manifested into his bride, his church, till they'll both be the same. They are one. Why? Because Jesus said, I do nothing but what the Father shows me first. That's the bridegroom. Is that right? See, he was waiting to see the thoughts of God. So now the bride in this hour, by the anointing of the hour, comes to the same position. That God lifts us up into the very thoughts of his own to cause us to see not just the hour we're living in, but cause us to see who we are. Because when you recognize who you are, the enemy cannot stand before you. When you, when you see yourself as the bride, are we believers here this morning? When you see yourself as bride, when you see yourself as the elect, when you see yourself as the sons of God, you see that's why John chapter 1 says, uh, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. It's not that we just turn into sons of God. No, we always were sons of God. But we must have a power. Now remember, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. What is that power? It's the four anointings around the throne. So you shall receive an anointing to become the sons of God. Or in other words, your eyes shall be open to what you always were in the thoughts of God. If you can walk by, by what you are in the thoughts of God, then that brings you into perfect faith. Because Jesus walked by perfect faith in what the word said he was. And the bride also is called to walk by perfect faith in what the word says she is. And when you do that, Brother Branham says, now you're becoming bride material. Now you're coming into rapturing condition. Well, what is the message of the last day sent to do? Bring us into rapturing condition. Amen. To bring us into a perfect faith. To bring us into the revealing of the Son of Man. To bring us into the revealing of the sons of God that all of creation has been groaning for. Listen, saints, it's got to happen. It's God's Word. It's not off in the future. It's right around us now. It's more real than you even realize. Praise be to God. Anointed ones at the end time. Questions and answers. I don't have time to read all these quotes. I need to go to the slides. You've got them ready there, I see. Brother Branham was asked a question. Are you, I thought the pillar of fire was the Son of Man. We're talking about the revealing of the Son of Man. I'll say this and then I'll go to the slides here. But I thought some people say you are the Son of Man, as in the revealing of the Son of Man. So Brother Branham says, I am not he. I'm his servant. All right? Now I want to say, I want to be a servant too. 
He says, the pillar of fire is not he. It's in spirit form, which was upon the Son of Man and has come now to anoint sons of men. To bring back a ministry just exactly like he said it would be in order for the head and the rest of the body to connect together. There's where you are. I'm not telling you get there. I'm saying there's where you are. You may not see it, but it's all around you. Even if you can only feel it, just say, Lord, open my eyes. Let me see what Brother Branham saw. Let me see what the prophet of God saw. Let me see myself, Lord, the way you see me. Not the way this world sees me. Not the way my flesh tells me I am. Not the way that I feel. Lord, let me see myself from your own thoughts. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Go ahead. Put that up there for me. I saw some things in Africa and and some tremendous things that were, that I'll just say the Holy Spirit is moving at a rapid pace. And these these new believers that are coming into the light of the hour, they're moving forward tremendously fast and and walking in the light. And I just, I'll just have to share some of the things that that are that is happening. First, I before I went to Uganda, I thought, well, I'm going to be in Africa anyway. I'll stop over in Ethiopia, and so I did, and uh, uh, had uh, a little bit of time there in the country of Ethiopia. Uh, first of all, on the Saturday of the first weekend, I I just had a time with the ministers, and we just met together, had some fellowship around the word, and begin discuss different things that were happening there. There, they shared with me what was happening since I was there in May. And uh, a new group had, had sprung up in the country or in the town of Debrezette. And uh, since May, and I think there's been 20 or 25 people baptized in that town. And, uh, you know, so God is moving in that town. And, and we had a little bit of a difficult situation that weekend. And because travel was constrained, especially from Debrezet, which happens to be a town where they have a festival on that particular weekend. And so the saints themselves were being constrained from being, because the roads were closed, and so they couldn't come to the meetings that were in Addis Ababa, or at least they didn't think they could come. But as soon as the, the roads opened, they took transportation to get to church, and they just arrived a little bit late. And so God bless them for that. But 20 souls have been baptized there. If you heard my update on the missions uh, podcast, uh, you already know this, but uh, I'll just maybe explain here, try not to get carried away too quickly here. But uh, uh, from the left here, this is Brother Mogus, the pastor in Addis Ababa. And this is uh, Brother Tesfa, one of the ministers in Hawassa, which I'll talk about in just a moment. This is another Brother Tesfa from Shoni. This is Brother Asegid, the main translator in Amharic, and also a minister there in Addis Ababa, and you know who that is. And so the, um, down south in Hawassa, where Brother Tesfa here is ministering, they don't yet have a, someone that they can call a pastor. The Lord is working on these brothers. But nevertheless, um, they had, a, for the first time, communion in Hawassa. 
uh, just that they could partake of it together. And it was new to a lot of people because, you know, they are used to the Orthodox communion, which is, or the, or the denominational communion, which is light bread and, and grape juice and that sort of thing. And, and nobody's ever had foot washing before, so, so they had never partaken of that. But now on that particular weekend, shortly after I had left last time, Brother Mogus went down to introduce communion to them. And, and he made an emphasis to the believers. He said, now, he says, this is what the scripture says about foot washing. Now, we're not going to wash the, the feet of our closest relative. We're actually going to reach outside of our family and, and wash somebody's feet that's not a family member. I, I never had thought that that would be an issue, but in their country, he felt to deal with it. And so there was this one sister who washed the feet of another sister, and unknown to Brother Mogus, these two sisters had um, difficulty with one another. Of course, that never happens in Cloverdale Bible Way, but, you know, that happens in Africa. <laughs> and so they, they were in a situation where they were kind of forced to wash one another's feet. Well, you know what happens when you wash feet? It humbles you, and you pray for one another. And it opens up a channel of communication. And they, they met together and it had, had uh, you know, it kind of just dissolved all of their differences. And forgiveness was had all around and, and the Spirit of God just had His way. And oh, it was a wonderful, wonderful time. But one of, the sis- one of those two sisters was actually dying. And uh, she had bre- breast cancer very bad. She had had it years ago. It kind of went into remission. Now it had come back in the last year very extremely bad. So bad that uh, her body uh, exuded a, an order. And, 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 you know, I guess I won't get into all the details of it. But nevertheless, they, they had been in discussions. Who's going to take her four children when she dies? That's how certain it was. It was that far gone. She could go at any time. She was weak. Two days after they washed feet, it was completely gone. Oh. Hallelujah. The supernatural power of God touched, touched her mortal body, completely left her. It's so not even a sign anymore. I say praise be to God. Not just for the miracle, but what that did for the people. Because to the people, this was a strange way to take communion. But God was confirming his word. You walk in obedience to the word. See, God does not honor effort. He honors obedience obedience is better than sacrifice and there they walked in obedience to the word and God blessed them and so we are so thankful to the Lord Jesus for that and so this was the meeting on Sunday now this is by no means a convention this is the local the locals this is just the people that are locally there and able to make it there were there were a few uh, visitors there there were a few visiting ministers there and and they were astounded by the things that they heard as, as the Holy Spirit just began to expound on the Word of God. And three, three ministers made arrangements with Brother Mogus, said, we want you to come and to, and to show us more about this message that you believe. See, their eyes were becoming open. 
And they were beginning to see the Word of God. They were ministers. They were beginning to see the Word of God from a different perspective. And so we thank God for that. And the Lord gave us a wonderful service there uh, with the people there. And that wasn't the main part of our trip other than to say that, that God definitely used our time there in Ethiopia. And I just wanted to share that with you. And so we moved from there to Uganda, went right away on Monday midday to Uganda because I had a lot of administrative work to do uh, with regards to printing and different translation and different things. I had translators to meet with and and meet with Brother Basabosi about printing and and meet with different ones about the different needs that were in the country. So we, we went to Uganda, landed there and stayed the first couple of days in Kampala while we took care of, we'll just say, administrative things. That's just things that need to be done. It's not all preaching. Unfortunately, (laughs) praise the Lord, I trust you pray for those things, that God puts everything in order. Now, we, during the first part of the trip, we went up to Iganga, where we stayed with the Ibali family, and I say with, we had, we, I said rather, uh, we had a team, slow down Tim, because you're mixing up your words, we had a team that went with us. Brother Victor Adamora was with us. He, he flew in on the Saturday. Uh, my son Stephen and my grandson Judah came on this trip, and they flew in on the Friday. And so they, they were able to make it up. Stephen's a minister, as you know. And so he and Victor and myself on that weekend began to minister the Word of God. But Victor stayed in Kampala to minister there as he landed there, but I took Stephen and, and uh, Judah up into the Iganga area, and here we are as we stayed in Brother Stephen's house, and that's Brother Stephen Abali, his wife's sister uh, Sarah, who was with us just recently, and three of his four daughters are standing there. Uh, on the far right is Brother James Katumba, who is Brother um, Stephen's associate minister, assistant pastor there in Jinja. And so now we're staying in this home, and I just want to preface this whole trip by saying we had to battle the elements all along the way. This was a, uh, not a trip for the light of heart. Matter of fact, for three days in Brother Stephen's house, there was no power. The thunder and the lightning storms came over and took out the transformer. And uh, you know they're close. I think those of you that are school teachers know this. You can use it as a physics lesson next week. But when you see the lightning and hear the thunder at the same time, you know it's right above you. And uh, so there was some tremendous storms there and wind and rain and everything. And, And we just, by God's grace, just persevered and carried on. Three days without power. Uh when we're also used to our electronic devices that we preach from, our phones that we stay in communication with, all of those kind of things, I just say, uh, praise the Lord for uh, portable batteries. That's, that's all I can say. Those are times when you appreciate them. So they had, they had a little bit of light in the home because they had a little bit of solar power, but otherwise, uh, from I think Sunday, we lost power. Now, On that weekend, the team preached in six, ten services in six locations 
in three days. We just, I don't know what you say, blitzed it or whatever. You know, we just fired out, all right, you're going this direction and you're going that direction and you're staying in Kampala and all of those things. So, so we all uh, just um, labored from Friday to Sunday. On Friday was the first meeting uh, at Brother Elijah Diogo's church uh, there in the Mayugi area. Always tend to visit Brother Elijah. I've shared his testimony before. And uh, Brother Elijah says there was more than 400 people present there. And, uh, and over 30 people were baptized after those meetings. And that was two meetings on Friday. And we thank God for the baptisms that took place there in Mayugi. And Brother Elijah, you know, I'm going to just drop some things in as we go along. And so that you'll understand some of the needs in the country. Brother Elijah took out the motor in his car. Brother Elijah is a great evangelist, travels all the different areas, but the motor's gone in his car now, and he needs $2,000 to replace the motor in his vehicle. And I told Brother Elijah, when I do my presentation, I'll share with the people that you need a new motor. And whatever God will do, God will do. So that's Brother Elijah, tremendous brother. God's used him mightily. From there, on Saturday, I went to um, uh, Brother Roger Wehi, uh, uh place in, uh, and I don't, I don't remember the name of the location here, but this is his church that was built since he came into the message about uh, four or five years ago, okay? So this church has been built since he's been in the message four or five years. You can see it's not complete. I think we gave him some uh, basis of funding there, but uh, certainly there's a lot of other places that need building. There was 120 present in this house. It's in a good location because it's, it's, able, to, um, it's able to gather people from around this area which doesn't have a lot of message churches. Now, Brother, um, Brother uh, Rogers, he's, uh, he's in a bit of a predicament and and he has some needs that are all, not just his church building but also his personal residence and he needs to buy a place because he's, he, the people that are renting to him uh, don't like to rent anymore and he needs, and I'll just say it, $5,000 for a personal house. That's his need. But in this place, we had a, a wonderful experience with the new ministers. All of these ministers have come into the message since Brother Rogers has come into the message. So these are all new ministers in this area within the last five years. And so they all stood, and we didn't have time to take their testimonies, but God is doing mighty works among these brethren here, sending out, and, and recently there was, now one of these brothers is now pastoring a church where formerly there was a woman pastor, and she received the message recently and stepped down from her pulpit after 125 people in her church were baptized because she saw in the word of God that it's not right for a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over a man. That's the scripture. And so recognizing the word of God, and again we'll say her eyes come open to who she was. That she's a daughter of God, but a daughter of God cannot take the place of a son of God. And so she stepped back, another brother in the church, and I don't remember which one it is here, but he took the position of pastor, and now the church is going on. All of these ministers, their congregations have been baptized. So you calculate that out. I think there's, what is here, 10, 20, almost 30 of them, 25 and, and even if there's, there's only 50 people in each congregation on average, which I know it's more than that, 
But, uh, but what would that be? Uh, two and a half, uh, 1,200 people? Does that work out right? 1,250 people, even at 50 people. God continues to move in this country. And I'm amazed at the things that the Lord is doing. These are recent, recent testimonies. Are you with me so far? All right. Then on Sunday, I was at uh, Brother Stephen Abali's place. And uh, here we had 450 people in the, in the meetings. His usual congregation's about 250, so there were a lot of visitors. But there was a lot less visitors, visitors than would have otherwise been because of the weather. And the roads were a mess, and the, the rains stopped people just because, you know, people walk to church. And they don't necessarily have umbrellas or anything, and it's a long walk through muddy ground and so on and so forth. But even still, out of these 450 people, between the morning and the evening service on Sunday, 100 people were baptized. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I agree with you. It's a wonderful thing that God's doing over there. Brother Stephen, uh, this, is, uh, this is a picture of Brother Stephen, but it's where Brother Victor was. No, you were preaching at Brother Buss's on Sunday, on that Sunday. All right. We had a lot of meetings in a lot of different places, so excuse me if I get it a little bit mixed up. I'm still a little bit coming out of jet lag. This is Brother Stephen here in the town of Caliro. Uh, so that's this places that he's baptized in, uh, places that he preached also in um, uh, the name I can't just recall. Uh, uh, Brother Samson Lubogo Church is where he is here and uh, he's ministering there. And this is in Calero, I'm sorry, where he preached on Sunday. So a lot of different means, a lot of different places. I've preached in many of these places before. Uh, we were so glad just to be able to send out the ministers into the different locations, and God used the meetings, and they were blessings, and people came in from all over the local areas. It's necessary that we uh, go out to these, some of these areas so that the local people can gather together. It's just not possible for them to all come into Jinja or all come into another place. And so to have a couple of ministers with me to come. Now, now you might not have known Brother Victor was a minister, um, and maybe he didn't know it either. But uh, he's been ministering to our Sunday school children and to the young people. And, uh, and so if they catch a whiff that you're a minister out there, you're going to be put to work. And that's what happened. And, and as soon as they found out, initially when they saw Brother Victor, some of the believers were like, now you know Brother Victor, he's a big, strong, strapping guy. And they, one of the, some of the believers asked Brother Fred, uh, how come Brother Tim brings a bodyguard with him? <laughs> and Brother Fred had to explain, that's not a bodyguard. <laughs> that's a brother in the church in Cloverdale. And uh, I thought, well, hey, somebody's got my back. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So Brother Victor was certainly put to use there in Africa. Amen. There he is there with Brother Basabozi. And I think midweek he was also at Brother Basabozi's former pastor, Brother Leo, who you see in the picture here, uh, ministering with them. And that's, that's how it works. He preached at Brother Basabozi's on Sunday, and 
what was it, Tuesday or Wednesday, we got a text. Hey, is Brother Victor available to come out to Michiana and, and come and minister here? And I said to him, you got any plans? He says, I, I don't have any plans. <laughs> so I said, you're preaching in Michiana. So everything's good. Praise the Lord. The word is going out. All right. These are just some of the, uh, the ways that things happen. You've got to be a little bit light on your feet in those countries because things change and happen that you don't expect. And so we're in, based in Iganga the first weekend, uh, the following Tuesday then. Uh, we go a little bit north of there um, to a town uh, called Namatumba. And this is a group that is brand new to the message. We're talking months. And it felt like it. Uh, Brother Victor, I think you had gone preaching to Michiana on this day. Uh, no, I'm sorry, this is Tuesday. This was your day off. We gave him a day off. And uh, so, but we're in Namatumba, and Brother Stephen's with me, and, and my grandson Judah, and there, we're in this group. And I'll just share with you sometimes you can preach somewhere, and it's not easy. And I just thought to myself, you know what, the Lord wanted me here. And, uh, and by God's grace, I was able to labor because my purpose was one thing. And I, I really believe this. If you can get the people into one mind and one accord, anything is possible. And so I just labored with that thought in mind, uh, had some notes, but just took probably the first half hour of the service to be able to reach a level. And it's hard to explain, but just to be able to reach a level where you feel like you're connecting with the people. You've got to connect with the people. You can't just stand up, you have a set of notes, you think, I got some quotes, I got some scriptures, and away you go. I was explaining to the young brothers there as they were asking me after the service, as they were saying, Brother Tim, we noticed that it was a hard service for the first little while, and, and this and that and the other. And I said, listen, when you know your subject, and I'm not sure why I'm sharing this, but uh, when you know your subject, you really know it, then you can preach it to anybody. You can preach it to those that are new, or you can preach it to the people that have been in the message for 40 years. I says, when you really know your subject, because then you just, all you have to do is follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, and God will take you to the level you need to be at for those people. And then as I begin to feel the people pull on the word and begin to draw strength from the word of God, I thought, now here we are. And the word of God now just become more and more anointed for the service and God began to do really wonderful things there. And I wanted to share some things with this, not about this particular meeting, but about who was present in this meeting, just to show you what the Lord is doing. The pastor himself, which you'll see in a moment, used to be a Muslim. And so even he, you know, to find the, the strength of the rudiments of the word of God. Now, he did not become a Christian through the message. He had, he had believed on Jesus Christ a few years back, but now the light of the message had come by his way, and it, be, and it drew him and his entire congregation. But more than that, the ministers that were reaching out, Brother Jeremiah and Brother Sempa, as they were reaching out in that area, God opened a door 
in that area. And you'll notice here towards the right-hand side, a man with a, one of those collars, you know, the, what do you call that? Hmm? A turned-up collar. There you go. <laughs> and, uh, and so they, he, he's standing there. He's actually a believer. You say, well, how can he believe with one of those callers? He has just come into the message. He was an Anglican. There were three Anglican ministers with those turned up callers there in the meeting, and God was dealing with them. And I say, praise be to God. Now, you might say, well, why didn't they get rid of their callers just right away? Well, I'll ask you this, sisters. Did you get rid of your earrings right away? Or did you get rid rid of your pants right away? You know, sometimes it takes a revelation, right? They see the truth of the Word of God, but then it has to become real to them. And as it becomes real to them, it will even change the way they dress. And I, and I was talking with Brother Jeremiah, who was the one, uh, he was my interpreter, but also he's a minister and reaching out to the Anglicans. And, I, and he was telling me that God was doing wonderful things amongst the Anglicans. And I just stood there amazed. These men, they were, I, I sat there and preached to them after, you know, after the Lord began to move in the service. And, and as I began to preach to them, I saw them raising their hands. I saw them standing up and saying amen and all those kind of things. And I thought, you know, praise the Lord. Here's an Anglican that's getting the Holy Ghost. We thank God for that. So the Lord is doing wonderful things. This is Brother, uh, the pastor here, Brother Mukibi. Mukibi, and on the right is Brother Simpa, and only Brother Simpa can put on a look like that, Uh, a striped tie on a striped shirt. Don't look at it too long, or your eyes will go crossed, but that's Brother Simpa, and uh, so we we love him. He's a great song leader. I don't know, Brother Kim, you remember him, but he he loves to sing, and we love to get him to sing after the service is done, and he just gets up there, and he just gets the people rejoicing, and we, we love him. So those are great men of God there in Uganda. So finally, we leave Brother Stephen's place, and the team finally comes together in Kampala at the hotel there, and uh, we're back together now for the rest of the meetings. Now... Out of Kampala, we, we now have some meetings set up, and I, I said to Brother Fred, or I said to the brothers around him anyway, I said, I, I've come to a revelation that Brother Fred likes long trips and big services. I said, that's all we do when we come and minister with Brother Fred. We go a long way out where a large group is gathered. And so the first, um, the first service was... Then on Wednesday, we had the service on Tuesday, then traveled to Kampala, and then out on Wednesday, we traveled out to Bakuya. Well, I think Stephen ministered at Brother Bus, and Brother uh, Victor, you were with me here in Bakuya, and we had a wonderful service there. I've got my names mixed up, um, because the pastor in this place is actually Brother Mukibi, uh, not the pastor in the previous place. Now... This was a tremendous meeting, uh, even though we had to go a long way out there to get to it, and the people just rejoiced in the presence of the Lord. I might have even a video clip here. I do. In God's thoughts, in God's thoughts, you are already glorified. 
God's thoughts are eternal. Oh, God's thoughts can never end. And God's thoughts cannot be broken. And in God's thoughts, you're already blown. Hallelujah. If you can see yourself the way God sees you, if you can see yourself the way God sees you, you would go rejoicing every day. There's nothing the then what do we say about this? If God be for us, who can be against us? Glory to the Amen. Now you can see they love the same word you love. It strikes them the same way it strikes you. Amen. It's, we just love being amongst them. This is another view from the same meetings. And in those meetings, now the pastor uh, of these meetings was an old acquaintance of Brother Fred's many years ago, had gone out into denominations as a, uh, his family had. He was just a young boy when Brother Fred first knew him. And then uh, had become a pastor in a Pentecostal group. And they have a certain name, which I, I won't mention because I can't remember it. And the, the bishop of that group was in this meeting. And he, was, uh, uh, he had come to hear what it was that this former pastor that worked with him now was believing called the message of the hour. And his, the testimony that got back to me was that he, he was... Coming to the meeting, expecting to hear stories, you know, expecting to hear maybe some fancy statements or something, and, you know, expecting, I'm not sure what all he was expecting, but his statement was, I never in my life heard the word of God expounded like this. And they had a minister's meeting afterwards. I had gone back to Kampala to get ready for the meeting the the next day. But they had a minister's, and this is him here standing now, giving testimony. He says, what you have preached is the truth. That's how the message is spreading in Uganda. And he says to Brother Fred, I want you to come and introduce this message to my 30 churches. 30 churches. This is not unusual. I'm just using it as an example. This is what is happening in Uganda. They hear the word of God preached, and it strikes their heart. This is the truth. See, the denominational people in Uganda are not like the denominational people here. They have not sold their soul to denominations. But rather, they, that's all they knew. That's all they had. Many of them don't even have Bibles, as Brother Michael can bear witness of. And so... Uh, you know, all of these ministers now, upon hearing the word of God, it's like the day of Pentecost all over again. They were pricked in their hearts and say, men and brethren, what should we do? Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
And so the Word of God comes alive to them. They, they yield themselves to the Word of God. They have to many times forsake their own churches, as you'll find out as we go along here, and they end up without buildings and that sort of thing. But I say, God bless this man who was, who was honest of heart and able to confess, I've heard the truth, and concerned about his people enough to say, I want my people to hear this truth. Amen. So you pray for them that God will continue to do that uh, for them there. Amen. That was the Wednesday service while we were there. Brother Stephen now took his turn to preach at Brother Busabozzi's on Wednesday night. This would be Brother Busabozzi's church. And then they went out to view the printing operation. So I'll just take a little bit of a sidetrack here because of the printing that's going on in the country. And so there's Brother James Katumba who was driving for us, and uh, uh, Stephen and, and Judah and Brother Basabozi who manages the printing and translation work in the country of Uganda. Now, um, so they went in to, to view, and uh, I'm going to say this about my bodyguard, that uh, I thank him for doing the hard work for us in that I needed somebody to count these and uh, God bless you, Brother Victor, for counting all the books that are there in inventory in Uganda so we know exactly what we have. And so it just needed to be done. There are certain requirements that we have with the Canadian government that when you spend money overseas, they, you have to make sure that they have to make sure or they want to make sure that you know exactly where the money's gone and how it's spent. And so these are the kind of things that we have to do from time to time. So thank you, Brother Victor, for doing that. These are the Bibles, the Seals book, the Church Age books, the, um, and the Hebrew series books that are all stacked in these boxes here. They've all been shipped in from, from outside the country, and so that's why they're in storage here. And then they went to the printing operation itself, and it's not very fancy, but it's, it gets the job done. And so we're, we're thankful for all of the volunteers that work there, and they visited there the stacks of papers being waiting to be collated into books. And uh, even while we were there that week, there was a shipment of books that went out to the local churches. And so that you can see here thousands of books that are stacked up. They all went out. Brother, I think Brother Stephen received about 2,000, and, and brother, James, uh, brother Fred received about 2,000, and then another brother received about 300, and another brother received about 1,500 books. And, and so they're going out into the areas every month. And I just say, God bless you. This is where your giving is going to. And, and to get the message out into the countryside over there where souls are starving for the word of God. Literally like the scripture says in the last days there will be a famine for hearing the word of God but we're glad to be able to meet the famine. You know a lot of times they they view missionary work as humanitarian work. You know feed the poor you know make a well of water or something like that but literally what we're doing is that in the spiritual realm. We are feeding God's children. We are opening up a well of water. There's a fountain open in the house of David. And we're opening up to them a well of water and allowing them to receive the word of the hour. So the, the printing operation there is done mostly by volunteer labor. And uh, this is kind of the simplicity of the operation. They print the pages out. Then the pages get collated into books. And then they have the volunteers there doing the work 
as they uh, staple the books. That's what they're doing here. And uh, just to give you an idea. Stapler jams sometimes, obviously. Looks like they know what they're doing. And then they have high technology to fold the books. Yeah. This is high tech stuff. Here. High technology here. Doing. What, are you, what, what do they call it? What you're doing? It works. Folding. And they do it. Yeah. You can see by the stacks but of love, books. Love Just technology. wait. You can see by the stacks of books, not even stacks, but the piles of books. There's the thousands of books that are being printed, collated, stapled, folded, and then trimmed so that believers all around the country of Uganda can receive the message of the hour. Let's give them an applause for their labor. I hope that's not too high-tech for you. That's about my level of technology, I think. Amen. So from there, we had a meeting, as I said, on Wednesday night, uh, while Stephen and them were visiting the printing, and, and Brother Victor was with me. Then we traveled back to Kampala for the next day meeting that was to be up in the Luero area, uh, a place called, if I have it here, Kayampologomo. Pologoma. And there was a thousand people waiting for us there. And what was happening is uh, Brother Fred and the team of about 20, 25 uh, young people and, and brothers that, that travel with them to do the music. And anytime they have a meeting, they always ha- like to create the right atmosphere. They were traveling over from the Wednesday meeting overnight to the new area while we went back to Kampala and were traveling up from Kampala on the same day on the next day, rather, on Thursday. And this is where the elements struck because the way, the main roads were okay, but once you had to get off the road, it's actually a very swampy area in that area. And the team encountered a blocked road because the trucks, cars, nothing was able to get through. And as a result... You know, it, it plugged up everything. They were trying to get through to get to the meeting, and they had spent the night there in the vehicles. And, uh, and then the next morning, they tried some more to get through, and finally, uh, they realized, we're not going to get through this. And, and this was uh, one of the most, um, I don't say heartbreaking. Heartbreaking is a strong word, but it, it was a very disappointing thing for me because this is the place... Uh, Brother Michael, that we administered Brother Haruna's, if you recall, um, where the place where my laptop was in the sunshine and, and shut off. You remember that one? And, uh, and you know, they had a, we had a wonderful meeting there back in 2021, I think it was. And uh, then I wanted to go back and see them and see how they're doing. And they had a large crowd that was gathered, but it just seemed impossible for some reason the Lord was not opening the door for us to minister there. So it was a very uh, disappointing day. Uh, the land uh, just uh, took a lot of rain, blocked the roads. The swampiness of that particular area didn't help us, and they were unable. It wasn't just the roads were muddy, but you know 
once the roads get muddy, the washes the dirt away, and then you're high centering on the rocks that are in the road and all of those kind of things. So it's, it's a treacherous road. And the pastors, Brother Fred and Brother Haruna, decided just as we were about to leave the hotel, they decided, sorry, we have to cancel the meeting. And, you know, my heart sank uh, that I was unable to go there, but I thought, well, there's maybe a reason somewhere in it. And so we just committed it to the Lord. I spent rather a, f- a little bit of time with my two buddies, uh, Brother Moses. Uh, now, in this picture, it looks like I'm a giant and they're pygmies. I'm sorry. It's just the way the picture turned out. But uh, we're sitting at the table at the hotel and, and just fellowshipping, spent a couple hours with these young men. These are quality young men. Brother Moses, he's on the road ministering, traveling and ministering. He's Brother Fred's middle, no, I'm sorry, oldest son. And he's on the road two and three times a week going out to these different churches to have meetings and preach for them and establish them in the Word of God. And he's my interpreter. He's the best interpreter I've ever had. And he was just right with me every step of the way. And, and, uh, and so he's he, he just a real, real blessing there. And this is uh, Brother Fred Chienji Jr. We just call him Jr. And, and some of you already know him. I uh, have been introduced to him. And he's, uh, he's a real capable young man. Uh, able, and he's helped us actually somewhat on the message hub even. And different things that he's done for us. So we're just trying to help these brothers out a little bit and spend a little time with them fellowshipping around the Word of God because the service was canceled. So I thought, well, you know, I'll take the time, redeem the time, and do something. So pray for these two young men. That's why I'm showing you this picture. This picture, God is using them. And uh, they work very closely with their dad. And so then that day that my service was canceled, these brothers headed out to see churches see buildings that we have built. And uh, so Stephen, and then that's Brother Isaac, I believe, and then Victor and Brother James and, and Judah, my grandson. I think I've said that enough times. And so uh, they're heading out now into areas, and I'm thinking, our services are council. How are they? they? They actually didn't have any trouble wherever they went. God just helped them all along the way. It was just the one area we wanted to get into that seemed so impassable. And so they came and visited a lot of the churches that we had not yet visited that we had built for congregations in different areas. And uh, Brother Victor, I'm going to have him come up in a little bit and comment on what they saw out there in the field. And so that they were able to visit with the pastors, see the structures, uh, take pictures, obviously, and identify a lot of things that are going on out there in many of the rural areas over by Lake Victoria and different places and they spent all day from about 10 in the morning. And I think you were back about 7 at night, something like that. 8 at night, back 8 at night. And so um, that was an all-day event for them. Some of the churches that needed latrines had received them. There's actually eight churches that still need latrines. It is an issue. I'll mention that in a little bit. One of the things besides weather, are you still with me? All right. I try not to keep you too much longer. One of the things besides weather we had to fight was traffic. And uh, this is Kampala now. And this is the day now of the Saturday meeting. And so uh, we were heading out to uh, have the, 
what we might call the big meeting or the climax meeting of the week. There's still another meeting on Sunday, but on Saturday, we had a gathering at the church in Sita. I was supposed to take the pulpit at noon. I didn't get in the pulpit till four o'clock because of the delay of the traffic and the delay of events in general. Actually, in this, on this day, the rain helped us. And, and what I mean by that is because of the rain, the crowd was smaller than it might have been in that there, the total crowd was over 2,000 that had come in from different areas. And many of them, about 400 of them, arrived the night before and slept on the grounds where the meetings were. I'll show you the grounds. Slept under these tarps in Africa there at night. It rained that night. And they had quite a downpour that evening. And so uh, Brother Fred said, you know, we had to give them some food in the morning, some coffee, warm themselves up and, you know, help them. Uh, But they were there. They weren't there from 10 o'clock service time or 11 o'clock service time. They were there from the night before. They were ready for a service all night long. They're ready first thing in the morning. And sometimes you wonder, well, you know, why do we, you know, why are some, maybe the trustees, I'll say it this way, maybe the trustees sometimes wonder, why are the meetings so expensive? You know, why does it cost so much money to have a meeting in Africa? Well, when you've got 400 people coming overnight, you're kind of obligated to give them a little bit of food in the morning, a little bit of coffee. It just takes that. Am I the only one that thinks that? I think, I think that's, just, that's just humanity. And, uh, and so they're, they're, there are people that gather, and you know what? If the weather's nice and you open the door, they'll gather by the thousands and the thousands. And even though they don't have transportation, they'll hop on a taxi or a, what we call a boda boda, which is a, a motorcycle taxi, and, and they'll come in from all these different areas, ministers in different places. None of the people at the service on Thursday were able to make it. No, I'm sorry, there was one brother that was able to make it from the Luero area to come to this service. That's how bad the rain had hit the Luero area. Just one person made the service in Sita and was able to travel in. So we thank God for that, and, and we, we had a wonderful meeting but the elements were still an issue in this meeting. Um, we, we ended up uh, at the beginning of the service, and, I, and I'm just going to describe something that I even debated whether I was even going to share this. But I, I'm going to share it with you, trusting that you will just receive it in the spirit that it's given. As we were at the service Obviously, the rain was a threat at any moment. Matter of fact, at the beginning of when I stepped into the pulpit at 4 o'clock, I think it was actually 3.30. It'd be more like 3.30-ish. And so as I'm standing in the pulpit, I could hear a little bit of sprinkling, just a light little sprinkling on the tarp. And I had a word of prayer to open the service. And I prayed, Lord, please stop the rain and hold back the rain. And... The little sprinkling stopped, and away we went. Oh, and I'll tell you, we had a service. We had a service. And God just took that service to heavenly places, and we just had a wonderful time preaching to those people. You know, they had been waiting a while, and they were ready. 
Matter of fact, after about an hour, an hour and a half, I says, are you ready for me to quit? And they were all like, no. And they're like, they, they'd come for a service. And they were ready for the word of God. And so we just preached. But about an hour into the service, uh, which would be about then 4.30, the skies opened up. And the rain came down in torrents. And uh, here's, you'll see the people's reaction to it. Here, the rain now is coming down, and people are scrambling. It's a little hard to show on the video. You can see it a little bit there. But the heavens had opened up, and not just a light sprinkle, but now it began to pour. And everybody's scrambling for a place under a tarp somewhere. And I, I just have to confess that I was done with it. And uh, I, just, I just said these words. I said, rain, I resent you. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. Go back where you came from. In minutes, it was gone. And it not only was gone, the sun came out. And it was less than 10 minutes. And I know it was way less than 10 minutes of rain, but it was less than 10 minutes from when I rebuked the storm to when the sun came out. You say, how do you know that, Brother Tim? Because we got it on video. The video, service wasn't videoed, but Lord inspired a brother to catch two clips. One when I spoke to the storm and one when the sun came out. You see, God is confirming his word. I know you're trying now to digest what you've just heard. I was too. Because as soon as I had said to the storm, I resent you, go back where you came from in the name of Jesus Christ. I I just stood there and I continued preaching what was being preached. And I just, now the devil comes in and says, what did you just say? You're going to be so embarrassed because, you know, it's not going to happen. And the, and the people, you know, they're going to see that you have no power. You know how the devil, anybody ever wrestled with the devil before? Sure. And, and you know what I did? I just stood there with this one thought. I have been preaching this thought all week. I have been preaching on lifting up into the thoughts of God. I am either a son of God or I am not a son of God. His word is either true or it's not true. Come on. Brother Ram said, these are the things that the sons of God in the last days have a right to do. And I wasn't doing it for personal glory. I wasn't doing it to try and shine some some kind of light on myself. I was doing it because I was sick of the rain. And I was looking at these hundreds of people that are sitting there that have nowhere to go, that it would have broke up the service. And I said, there's no way. Listen, don't ever be scared of a showdown with the devil. God's word is true. And needless to say, the saints were talking about it. As a matter of fact, the podcast that's being released today will give you more details on, on what took place. You'll get the full story and the testimony of some witnesses and that sort of thing. Either we are sons of God or we are not sons of God. 
Now I'm challenging you. Brother Brown said, this isn't for the ministry. This is for the deacons. This isn't message perfect faith. This is for the trustees. This is for the laity. This is for everybody. It's not on some minister. And the reason I, I, I even was reluctant to share this and debated all week whether I would say anything about it. Brother Michael, no, I was in the office, didn't share nothing about it. And, and I, was, I was thinking about this all week because to me, it's not about the minister. It's about the message. It's not about the man. It's about the anointing that has come upon you and me in this day. That has caused us now to come into position in the Lamb's book of life. That has been revealed. Who he did, who he did foreknow, he predestinated to be conformed to the image of his Son. That's our calling. That's our place. And it's not that we go around in some kind of fleshly manner using some kind of carnal idea of what it is to speak to things. That's not it. But when, when you're faced with a challenge, don't you ever be scared. Don't let the devil put some fear into you like he did the servant of Elisha as he saw the armies were all gathered around. Lord, let me see things the way you see things. Lord, let me be identified with your thoughts in this hour. Don't let me just, uh, just be full of myself or some kind of thing. There's already too many things. And now I'll, I'll be perfectly honest, saints. Sometimes it gets to a place that, that listen, Cloverdale, we don't want to get into a position as believers that we say, if somebody prays for me, then I'll be well. Listen, it's not upon a minister. If somebody sees something or has a word of the Lord for me or brother so-and-so or something, the, the minute you get to that kind of a place, you've gone back to the man age. Brother Tim doesn't speak straight very often, but I'm going to speak straight just for a moment here. This message is not about a man. It's not about a gift to the Spirit. It's not about something. Those things are all all right in their place. But let me tell you something. To the reality is this message is to lift you up into the thoughts of God of who you are in the mind of God. Every believer. Are you a believer? Every believer in God's thoughts has a right to withstand the devil anywhere, anytime, under any circumstances. You have the anointing to withstand the enemy of God. That's the hour we're living in. The time has come. The hour is here. God is confirming his word. It's not the minister. It's the anointing upon the bride of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. There'll be prayer lines. There'll be altar calls. There'll be hands laid on people. All the kinds of things that came out of the man anointing. There'll be more of that, I'm sure. But don't take me back there. Lift me up higher, Lord. Let us go on unto perfection. Let us come fully into the image of Jesus Christ. Oh, if we could just realize where we are in the seed time. The life is in the seed form. We're not going back now to a shuck or a tossle or or a a shoot out of the ground or a stalk or anything like that. The life has moved on. And, And this is important now. And I was thinking about the seed form. I know I'm starting to preach now because God did something. 
it just inspired me, and I thought, Lord, I'm going to say it, but you just let me know what I'm supposed to say. But we've come to the seed time now. You can't take a stalk. You can't take a shoot and plant, replant it and expect something to come out. You can't take a tossle and put it in the ground and something come out. You can't even take a shuck and put it in the ground and something comes out. It must be seed. And we've come back to seed time. We've come to harvest time. We've come to fruit time. We've come to the revealing of the Son of Man time. We've come to the revealing of the sons of God time. We've come to eagle anointing. We've come to the fullness of God revealed. We're not going there. We are there. That's our God. And that's his message for this day. You can see there the sun broke out. And we had a wonderful service. I think I preached another hour, hour and a half. I don't know what it was. But we preached. And I'll tell you what. I said to the saints, I said, you've had the rain. Now you have the sun. Lay in the presence of the sun until all the greenness is baked out of you. That's what God sends his word for in this hour. And now you might say, well, Brother Tim, maybe it was just a cloud burst, and that's all right. Maybe it was. Said we, we, after this, we had a minister's meeting. And uh, with the ministers. Here in the minister's meetings, I'll tell you something else, but I don't want to change subjects just yet. But... After the minister's meeting, now it was dark because the service started late. At 7.30, we left the property. Not a drop of rain from when it, when it left till 7.30. And then Brother Moses tell, told me the next day, he said, Brother Tim, you, they took you home. I think it was Brother James took me home. And uh, he says, you had no, not hardly driven off the property and the skies opened up. He says, and it poured rain for an hour and a half. And it, what was it? God confirming. That's what it was. God was just showing. It was no accident. It was God proving his word. It was God manifesting his message. It was God declaring his anointing. That's our God. And that's what he was doing. And I say, praise be the name of the Lord. To God be the glory. I seriously didn't even want to share that because I don't want you thinking of Brother Tim any more than you ought to. It wasn't me. It was God. And, we, and please, just let's leave it there. But I'm just saying, that hour is this hour. This day this scripture is fulfilled. We're not looking for a message somewhere off of the future. It's right now. I told these minister brothers here, I said, North America is facing a rough time financially. I said, most, you don't understand it here in Africa because if you buy a piece of land or buy a house, you've got to pay cash for it. You can't borrow like we can. I said, but most people that own homes in North America, they have mortgages. And mortgages are coming up for renewal and interest rates have gone up double and triple from maybe when the mortgages were first established. And it says mortgage payments are going up from $1,500 a month on average to over $3,000 a month on average. And I, I was trying to explain to the brothers over there 
that they'll pray for you in your financial situation because here's what's happening. The disposable income that people have are now having to go into their house to make their payments or any other debt that they have. I says, this is a crisis time for a lot of people. And if it hasn't hit you yet and you have debt, it will. And I said, now, I says, what that means, though, is that the disposable income, people would take a portion of that and put it into missions. And I said, so you need to pray for your brothers in North America and in the Western world. I said, because this is our reality now. And so uh, you pray because if people don't have any money, they can't give to missions. It will take a miracle or a real sacrifice on the people's part to give to missions. Somebody say amen. Amen. I'm willing to make the sacrifice. That's what I'm really waiting for. (laughs) Waiting for people to catch a revelation. Is Lord, I stand with what you're doing in this hour. But I know what's happening out there because it's happening to me too. And, uh, and so you, you don't have near what you had before because of the inflation and the interest rates and all those kind of things. So I told these brothers, I says, you got a laundry list of things that you need, not to mention more books, Bibles, church age books, seals books, all the rest of it. As on top of that, many of you are without churches, without places of worship. You're gathering under a tree. You might have a place of worship. I know there's still eight of you that need latrines because the government is putting pressure on you. You can't meet in your building unless you have a sanitary facility and all of these kind of things. I says, there's one answer and the one answer is God. And I said to them, the same one that rebuked that storm is the same one that can meet your need. Amen. We have to believe. We're coming to an hour. We have to believe in the supernatural. It's not an option anymore. In North America, we have a lot of things we can fall back on, don't we? We have a lot of government programs, a lot of, uh, you know, of our infrastructure and economy and everything and friends that have money or the church or whatever more. But there's, it's, we're being pressed more and more into a place where we're really going to have to trust God. Will you pray for missions? Will you pray that God will have his way? I'm going to ask Brother Victor to come up. I know I've been, it's been, I've been a long time. But I thought I wanted him to share his thoughts of what he saw and the churches and all of those kind of things. Come on up, Brother Victor. And uh, just give us a few more minutes, would you? Is this all right? And uh, I trust that it will be a real blessing to you. Amen. Is my bodyguard. God bless you. <laughs> bless you. Amen. God bless you all. It was wonderful to be in Uganda. Uh, it was a joy. It was a special experience for me because I've never been there before. But I would say my life changed. I, I am a new man after being to Uganda and seeing the saints of God there. Um, the one thing that really jumped out to me really was the hunger for the people. And I realized how we have, you know, you can walk in the back there, pick up a message book, open up your phone app, open up a message open up any language you want. But there they depend on the translations. They depend on our given. They depend on the work that's going on. And so I really understood how important it was that we do all we can to get this message out. And then the second thing was for me personally, um, uh, you know, 
it was special. And, uh, and I realized that um, God's moving. He's moving in our lives individually. He's moving in the body. But my mentality going to Uganda was, this is my family. This is not, you know, they're not overseas. This is part of me. They're part of me. They're one with me. Spirit of my spirit, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone, through the message of the hour. And that was my mentality going there. And when I got there, just the love of God in my heart, just it, it was just incredible um, what it was. But the second thing that happened for me personally was um, God opened up to me personally that, you know, personal revelation, you know, perhaps some of this I've been, I've been hiding myself, but really what he's directing um, my life to do and, uh, and where he wants me to go. And, and I'll stop there. But um, I thank the Lord for what he's done. And I thank him for uh, the supernatural experience that happened. And I thank Brother Tim for allowing me the opportunity to come with you. Um, there's a great need over there. Um, latrines, as Brother Tim men- mentioned, um, uh, churches for the people to worship in, uh, message books to go out. So whatever you have, please give to the work of the Lord there and to missions because there's a great need and they depend on us. We depend on them. As we mentioned, we're a family. And so it's not, you know, they're overseas and we're here in Canada. It's, you know, we're, we're one body. And so we pray for one another and we're looking for God to move in a greater way. Amen. God bless you. I'm going to put you on the spot, Brother Victor. We had a conversation leading up to going to Uganda or, or maybe in the first couple of days in Uganda, and we talked about miracles. And, uh, you know, uh, sometimes we see God move, we believe God, we believe his word. I don't know if you mind if I say it. Brother Victor had said, had said you know, I've, I've seen God do so many things, but I've never seen like a miracle, like something happened just in a moment. So have you seen one now? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, I guess on, on Brother Tim's point there, it's, Brother Tim just ministered on that, but, you know, in this Western world, we have a, we have a way of sometimes, you know, needing to touch something or feel something to experience God, but as Brother Tim has been ministering, it's, we're coming to a place now, we are at the place now where it's, beyond touch and feel and seeing something. Now it's believing the word, right? That third pole going forth now, which is the opening of the word, yeah. is now taken on flesh. It's not, it's, it's a greater reality. And that's why Brother Bram could say, would say that the things that are unseen are more real than the things that you feel and touch. So the word that we have here, this message is, it's more real than anything you can ever feel or touch or see. It's just believe the word. Amen. It's so simple, but we just must do it because that's who we are, as Brother Tim mentioned. Amen. 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 Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. (laughs) Amen. I'm sure Brother Victor was ready to preach, and he had mercy on you. You know, the Saturday was so outstanding. I don't want to make Sunday anticlimactic, but, you know, we headed off in different areas on the Sunday and uh, I was in Namagura, a church that we, a structure that we built for the people, but this is one of the churches that has no latrine, 
that we were able to have a meeting at. There was over 300 present. They, one thing about those tin structures we build is you can take the tin off and make it open on the one end so people can sit down and, and uh, partake of the service. So that's what they did. They set up a tent outside and we had over 300 people there. And I'll tell you what, the Lord was just good to us. We're just so grateful. You can see it all over the faces of the people. This was not unusual. This was every service. God from service after service after service, pouring in his word, pouring in his word. And I want to say that because the measure, you know, we we see these tens of thousands of people coming into the light of the hour in Uganda. We wonder how far are they in the message? I preached further on this subject there than I ever have here. And I, and I say that just the people were pulling it right out of me. And it's not to say you're not there. I'm just saying that, you know, there they are where you are. They're feeding on the Word. They're ready to hear the depth of the Word of God. They want it with all of their souls. These are, listen, these are Pentecostal people. They're, they're not unacquainted with supernatural. They're not unacquainted with the gifts of the Spirit or that sort of thing. That's, that's something that's old old news to most of them. But what they want is the word of God that gives them a faith that the devil cannot assail. They want to know who they are. It's very, very real to them. And so God just poured that in. This is the pastor of that church there. Uh, the, the younger one on the right-hand side is the pastor. Used to be a woman pastor in that church till the message was received. Now she's a member of the congregation. God bless her heart. This is uh, where Brother Victor was ministering on the Sunday. At Brother Roberts there, he had two services there. Brother Stephen uh, was in a place called Kenjuki, and uh, uh, he ministered there. And that was our last day of meetings over there in Uganda. It was time to say goodbye to some dear friends. We flew out, most of us flew out Sunday night, Brother Victor flew out Monday, and uh, we just thank God for all that he did in Uganda. This is a a missionary trip that went beyond just books and churches and that sort of thing. God came down in a very special way amongst the people, confirming his word. If you want to hear more details about it, you can listen to the missions podcast. The musicians can come, by the way, and uh, we're ready to close the service The Lord has done wonderful, wonderful things and continues to do them. But it's not all about Uganda. I'm not talking to Uganda this morning. I'm talking to you. Do you know who you are? Has God opened your eyes? Has he caused you to recognize that his word speaks of you and shows you who you are in his presence? Not Not your husband, you. Not your wife, you. You individually. That God sends his word to take all of the blindness of this world off of you and cause you to walk by perfect faith in what the word says you are. As I read already, Brother Branham said, I am not he, I am his servant. The pillar of fire is not he, It's in spirit form, which was upon the Son of Man and has come now to anoint sons of men, to bring back a ministry just exactly like he said it would be in order for the head and the rest of the body to unite, to connect together. 
I, I believe that the Lord doesn't want us to say it's brother so-and-so or brother so-and-so. I believe that's displeasing to the Holy Spirit. I believe that the Holy Spirit wants us to recognize it's me. I'm not talking about Tim Dodd. I'm talking about you. Amen. It's the anointing upon you to make his word a reality where you are. May God take what you've heard today and cause you to recognize. If your eyes aren't open, cause you to press in. Say, Lord, give me that kind of an eyesight in this hour. Give me an eagle anointing that I can know no matter what storm arises in my life, I can speak to the storm. And it will have to go back where it came from. Anchor that within me today. Let's stand together. How great is our God. I think we've saying that already. This, the splendor of a king. Clothed in majesty. He wraps himself in light. Darkness tries to hide, but it trembles at his voice. This one that is not just present this morning, but he's in you this morning. The Holy Spirit that lays quickened within the seed gene of every predestinated believer that has been quickened by the Word of God. There's only one thing that stops the power of God in your life. That's a lack of revelation. Because it's revelation that looses the power of God in you. you got to struggle in your flesh. Many of us do. Many times we'll, we'll let the devil drag us into the flesh realm. Think things we shouldn't think. Say things we shouldn't say. He knows your weakness. He knows what it is, how to ensnare you. But if you've got a predestinated seed gene living within you, the Bible says if the Spirit of God, the Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, it will also quicken your mortal body. Brother Branham explains that it will bring your body subject to the Word of God. This body is a rebellious thing. Even James describes the tongue as a rebellious thing. He says it's hard to bridle it and the person that can bridle the tongue the same as a perfect man. But I want to tell you something. That's why God sent his word in this hour. That's why we're not under a man anointing anymore. We're now under an eagle anointing to lift you up into the very thoughts of God. Lord, help me. To lift you into the very thoughts of God. To think about life to think about your situation, to think about your family, to think about everything the way God thinks about it. And God's thoughts are eternal. And God's thoughts are substance. And God's thoughts must come to pass. That's immutable. It's undeniable. That's our God. There's nobody like him. Let's sing this before we go to prayer. The splendor of
Hallelujah. Blessed be thy name, O Lord. How great thou art. Lord, we humble ourselves before you this morning, O God. This is the hour that the scripture has been speaking of. These are the days where you're anointing sons and daughters of God to take their position in the body, to withstand the enemy, O Lord, to take control of the storms in their lives. Lord, to rebuke the power of death that's riding in the land. Lord, that you might come on the scene and manifest your word in each and every life. Lord, I pray you'd send a special portion of your word this morning. Send a special portion of your anointing, O God. Lord, if there's any blind eyes in this place, open those eyes, O God. Cause them to see what you see. Lift us up into an eagle anointing. Lift us up unto the heavenlies, O God, and cause us to recognize the realities of the hour we live in and who we are in this hour. We're not a church. We're bride. We're not just any people. Lord, we're the elect that you had in your mind before the foundation of the world. Lord, let every fear fall by the wayside. Let every doubt be driven away. Lord, let your word become more of a reality. Let these things that were spoken this morning cause them to resonate within the hearts of your children, causing them to see their rights in these last days. Lord, we're not just talking about them. We're experiencing them. We're experiencing them right here in Cloverdale. They're experienced around the world, oh God. Lord, pour in more revelation. Lord, pour in more revelation. Lord, open more eyes, I pray. Drive out more fears, O God. Separate us, O Lord, from every carnal idea and cause us to be more like you, we pray. Lord, we commit this service to you. We ask your blessing upon it. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your blessings. In Jesus Christ's name. And could we just sing before we, or while we go, uh, all my life you have been faithful. Has he been faithful to you? He's been faithful to me. I want to say it again. Don't be scared to stand your ground. Brother Brown says, never be scared of a showdown. I'll tell you what, there's no better feeling than to face down the devil and see God back you up. I love it. It's the best feeling in the world. I'm not talking about natural feelings, but it's the best experience in the world. May God just raise his sons and daughters up to higher heights and see the realities of Christ in them. All my life you have been
Spencer, boo devil. Don't be scared of him. That statement comes from a story for Brother Branham. Maybe you don't know that. Where he had a dream, or I think it was a dream. And devil said boo, and he got smaller. To finally he said boo devil. And the devil got smaller, and he got bigger. That's where that comes from. Let's make the devil small this week. Appreciate your prayers. Thank you for remembering me in prayer and the brothers that were with me in prayer on the field. We sure appreciate the support. It means a lot to us to know somebody's praying for us. May God bless you this week. May God give you great victories over the enemy. God bless you. The service is dismissed in Jesus' name. All my life.